Red Wings to Michigan State. We're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. That's right, this is State of My Sports, and this and welcome to our Detroit Red Wings season preview. Uh, if this is your first time watching or listening, thank you. We are a weekly podcast that talks everything Michigan sports, and we drink and review beer from your favorite Michigan brewery. Uh, we live stream our episode every Tuesday on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, and allow you to be part of the conversation by reading and replying to all of your comments. Uh, you can find us at State of My Sports, that's State of MI Sports, on all our social media platforms. Um, but, but before we jump into our Red Wings season preview, uh, please take the time to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, also on YouTube so you don't miss an episode. Um, join us live, and like I said, read all of our comments. Now let's get into our Detroit Red Wings 2022-2023 season preview. So last year, uh, the Detroit Red Wings went 32-40-10 uh, for 74 points, which is slightly improved from the 2020-2021 season, which they had a 19 19- 27 and 10 record. We all know it was a little shorter, but or a little short of a season, uh, which is 0.86 points per game, um, and translated to 70.5 points in a 82 game season. Uh, the hot start Red Wings got this year uh, allowed fans to start thinking they had, you know, a little, little bit of hope. I think it was it was all exciting. They had some stuff going their way, and it just kind of hit the fan very quickly, and and that was. Exciting because the highs were very high, and like you, you understood what what we were getting at. But then when that hit the fan and how bad it got, it was pretty pretty low. It kind of gave you the same sense, like the maybe like the mid season form of the St. Louis Blues a couple years ago. Like y- yeah, uh, you know, just kind of dumpy, and then you know, like man, the highs are really high. Are we going to the playoffs? You know, yeah. And then it kind of tailed off. It really did. It was it was rough. Um, but what that did is it led to Eisman making a move. He's gonna he hired his first head coach um, since coming in Detroit in 2019. So I mean that's really the start. Everybody everybody always says like when a GM hires his first coach, that's when his clock starts. I think Eisman held on to Blashell a little bit longer. That I don't think um, it delayed the start of his clock, if you will. But let's be honest, it's Eisman. He has the track record of being a great GM. He's still young. It's not like the games passed him by, and he's our captain. So. For those reasons, it's not like the Red Wings are going to move on from him. So, no. like, the clock, in yeah. my opinion, for Eiserman in this situation, it's not anything different. It's still his team, and it's going to work or it's not, and it's we're in it for the long haul with him. You know what I mean? It, it, if you're a reasonable sports fan, especially an NHL fan, you do understand that there's not a whole lot of clock management you can do over years i mean everyone knows that it takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. to build a contending franchise in the nhl yeah for sure so i did want to go over some of the numbers that we had here so in their obviously 82 games uh they had 74 points which i already saw or said um 227 goals for 310 against uh it was slight improvement from last year from the year before where i think there were like like i think i want to say it was like negative 200 goals for or like goals against or something like that it was was historically awful historically bad um and it was it was a slight improvement and it was which is weird because they they had some crazy stuff going on and some crazy games that really hurt them as well um but they finished last season 25th in goals uh per game at 2.77 and shots um per game 26th in power play percentage, 16.3%, and dead last in PK percentage at 7.38. That was really the downfall of this team in a, in a lot of ways. Um, the special teams were supposed to improve, 
and and they didn't, and that was very desperate. And look, that's not all coaching. That's a lot of your when you don't have middle road talent, like guys that oh, yeah. should be killing penalties and stuff. Yep. Um, that belong in the league, like you're gonna have a, a rough, a rough couple of years, or like a rough penalty kill, you know. And the power play was rough, and you you circle that, you start improving on that. They're gonna start improving as a team. You can't you can't coach a bunch of underdeveloped players and players who just strictly don't have the talent that other teams do, and just expect to shoot for the stars. It doesn't work. No, I, I completely agree. Um, they were sec- the second worst team in the league uh, in a or with a 3.78 goals against average while allowing the fifth most shots in the NHL um, and also had the fifth worst save percentage in the league with Nadelkovich and Grice. Um, they were left up to dry a lot, but uh, also both had, had disappointing seasons. Um, and <laughs> the funny thing that I, I – that was interesting when the year finally ended. Red Wings were like the only team ever to do this, allow 11 goals, 10 goals, 9 goals, 8 goals, all the way down to zero <laughs> in a game. So, I mean, as rough as that is, that it's kind of a funny stat, you know? It, it, isn't it so Detroit, though? It is. Like, of course. Yeah. It's it's usually not the Red Wings. At least that's how we grew up, that it's not the Red Wings giving up these crazy stats. It's usually the Lions. Um, but for the Red Wings to do it, it's just kind of funny. But it's crazy. Like, every team here has, like, embarrassing stats yeah. at their lowest points. No, they really do. Um, so some off-seasons additions and some tra- subtractions that I want to get into. Um, starting out with uh, Jeff Blash. Look, he, I think I, I want to say he was here for uh, seven years. Is that what it was? I think it was six or seven years. It, do- it doesn't really matter exactly. Sorry, can you move your phone away from yep. that? Sure um, seemed like a long time, though. It, it really did. So moving on from him, a new voice in the locker room. Um, we'll get into the, who they hired and all that here soon um, when we start talking about the additions. But um, it's important to to move on when it's not going well. And hockey usually doesn't have a coach sit around that long, let alone a coach that made the playoffs, I think, his first two years and then didn't sense, or maybe it was just his first right, year right. to hold on as long as he did. But He I was the longest tenured coach at, at his last out, point, Outside right? of John Cooper. John Cooper outside was the of only John one. Cooper. Yeah, okay. Yep. So that was – just crazy that a, a losing coach held on that long. And I don't think it was his fault. It was kind of where we were in this rebuild. I don't blame him at all. He went over to uh, Tampa is going to be assistant coach, um, which is ironic because that's who we got. We got their, their assistant coach. But do, I do want to – sorry, go ahead. No, do you think Tampa is kind of like the Alabama where coaches can go to like resurrect and that's kind a, of redirect their coaching That's very outlook? interesting. I mean, I, I think a lot of guys are going to want to go to – to Tampa and coach er, under John Cooper. I sure. think he's a really good coach. Um, I think we'll see what happens as that window starts closing. How good, great of a coach he is. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how 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 Jeff Blashell develops under him because I think he's a good hockey coach. He's proven it. He proved it in college, AHL. He's a good hockey coach. It just didn't work in Detroit um, for you know just where they were in the rebuild. It was just yeah. really rough. So yep. um, Thomas Grice moved on. Mark Stahl, Calvin Pickard, who was kind of got some playing time, but was mostly in Grand Rapids. Sam Gagne, Danny DeKaiser, and Mitchell Stevens, all are gone. Um, now we'll get into some additions. I want to start with the head coach, Derek Lalonde. Uh, he coached the Toledo Walleye for two years, moved up to the Iowa Wild um, for for two years, and then the last four seasons he was the assistant coach under John Cooper for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, it's hard to say exactly what type of coach he's gonna be. Um, you don't really know that, and, and he probably doesn't really know either because it's something right. that you just 
first of all, you have to continue to be who you are. You can't yep. change that. That's first thing. But you don't know what kind of head coach you're going to be until you're in it's that something mold. you kind of grow into. Exactly. So he might become a players coach. He might be a uh, you know, hard ass, if you will, um, that that Babcock was. Um, and, and based on this quote, I think he's going to be kind of in the middle. At least that's his goal. So this was his quote um, during the, the press conference there. He said, uh, good players want to be held accountable. You have to hold them accountable. We'll hold guys accountable here. But at the same time, it's a bit of a relationship. And, and right there, it just tells me, yeah, he's, he's a middle-of-the-world guy. He sees it. He's yeah. going to be hard. He's going to hold these guys accountable. There's going to be guys that he gets in his doghouse for for all those right oh, reasons yeah. and stay there until they work their way out. And that's what you want from a coach. But at the same time, he wants to have the relationships. And that's very important too, especially in this day and age with, with professional athletes, is you have to relate to them. You have to cater <laughs> to them. You have to make them feel good about themselves. Yeah. Hockey is less, less of that, but you know what it, I mean? Yeah. I mean, we all know that athletes are slightly like – Large children, yeah, with emotions like yeah. big emotions, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so last year the Red Wings traded a third round pick for uh, Nedeljkovic. This year they're doing the same thing. They went out and traded for goaltender Vili Huso. Uh, they trade the seventy third overall pick of of the two thousand twenty two draft. They signed him for a three year extension for four point seven five million dollars. Little less of a track, pretty similar track record, really, as Nadelkovich did when we when we brought him in. Sure, but he's played two years uh, for St. Louis with Bennington out last year with the injuries. He actually got forty games played, which is pretty solid. That's significant um, playing time. It is. It really is. And he he allowed hundred goals, which is two point five six goals against average, twenty five wins, seven losses, six times. He was challenging Jordan Bennington for Benning, Bennington for that starting job in the playoffs. Yes, now, he was. I don't remember exactly how it happened. I think he started the first two playoff games or maybe it was just the I, first one i think you're right and then eventually lost his job to bennington again um but he's a good goalie and a lot like nadelkovic when you're playing in front of good teams you can be a good goalie and that's what i think eisman's trying to find is guys that, that they're not going to be the star they're not the the kosa that that we hope kosa becomes the uh the absolute stud yeah, that we think he's going to that be we hope right you know, like I don't think that's what either of these guys are going to be. But no, but we got better. They got better, and they these are goalies that prove, hey, you put a good team in front of me, I'll make the save. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, they'll have their bad days, and, and that's oh, yeah. definitely going to happen. Um, but it's an upgrade from Grice. He got younger, too. Someone to challenge Nadelkovic as Nadelkovic is going into that contract year and really see who's going to be the one that holds on when you have Kosa coming in. Do they do it again with somebody else? Like, I love what Eisman did yeah. here. And it, a third round pick is basically nothing. It, it almost felt like um it almost felt like when we acquired Nadelkovich, like he I think he got the outside noise in his head, like, mm. hey, we got like the next goalie star. Yeah. And I think he kind of got too comfortable with that fact and just kind of decided to play however he wanted to play. Now I'm not I'm not expecting him to stand on his head like Hashik or some of mm -hmm. the all-time greats, but I think some of the outside noise got to him and caused him to just kind of play mediocre. Yeah, and when but, a bad team's playing in front of you. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of care less. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, some more additions that I think we got to talk about. Andrew Kopp, he was the, the the big signing, I guess, if you will. Go um, Blue. Andrew Kopp. Go Blue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, from Michigan, man. Yeah, there we I go. I thought you said who? No. And I was like, Andrew, <laughs> go did, blue. did I say that wrong? <laughs> uh, Michigan, man. Played with, with Larkin, actually. He was Larkin's captain at, at Michigan, if I remember he was. correctly. So um, kind of a cool connection there. He's a 28-year-old. Uh, they signed him for a five-year deal. 
5.62 million a year. Good contract. He's going to come in and be the number two center. It sounds like. Look, I've, I think playing on the Rangers uh, last year, he put up some good numbers. Nothing crazy, right? Um, but he he has a place in this league, and it's a huge upgrade for what we were dealing with last year. That's that's all I care about. Might feel like a little bit of an overpay right now from from what I know of him, but maybe he's going to come in and and be a lot better than I think he. He's shown, I guess, you know. We need to temper expectations from majority fans, right? Yeah, like I agree. He's, he's Andrew Kopp isn't the number one. He's not the Connor yeah. McDavid, Far Austin Matthews. Yeah. Stop. Far from it. If he's going to come in and be a number two center, I mean, that's kind of what you're paying him to be, too. You don't pay a number one center this little bit of money. I mean, we're seeing some <laughs> no. of these contracts coming through. They're like they're eight, nine million. It's big like, dollars. Okay, yeah, it's really starting to grow. Um, another forward they brought in was David Perron, uh, another St. Louis guy. Signed him on a two-year deal, $4.75 million. Love that signing. I think the veteran that he, he is is very important to this room. He's significantly older, isn't he? He's 34. 34. So not, not like crazy, but he's the veteran that I think this locker room needs. Okay. Um, staying on the forward side, Dominic Kubelik. Dominic Kubelik, left winger, 20, almost 27 years old. Uh, played with Chicago, uh, two years, $2.5 million. Uh, really just starting talking about a couple defensemen that they, that Eisman brought in. Ben Sherratt, uh, 32-year-old, or 31, will be 32. He played for Florida, played for Montreal. Um, if I Oh, no, sorry, that's Haloti Mata that played for Montreal, isn't it? Or Oli Mata, sorry. Yes. Ben Sherratt, he's been around. He, he's decent. I, I like this this signing. Four years, 4.75. I, I wish I wrote down where he played before. He, I think he got traded to Florida this year. Sorry. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, if you could check but it out. I, I thought it was Montreal, but I'm not positive. He is going to help stiffen up that blue line yeah, a lot. definitely. And then alongside another defenseman, 28-year-old 20, uh, Oli Mata. Uh, he came over from the Kings on a one-year deal um, for 2.25. Show me deal. Love it. We need a defenseman. It's exactly what we needed. Um, is he going to come in and be a stud? No, but he brings significant depth. He, he depth. He he believe he deserves to be in the NHL. When you have guys like Danny DeKaiser on the team last year, <laughs> um, Mark Stahl, I, I, I get what it is like with him, but I don't think he deserved to be on on a true team. Um, I guess if you will. So he's going to kind of fall off quick. You have other guys that didn't deserve to be getting playing time that were. These are the guys that deserve NHL playing time, and they're they're going to get it. So, yeah, and Ben, um, and ben Sherratt started out with Winnipeg and uh, made his way to Montreal before making his way to Florida. So Montreal traded him to – all right, perfect. Yes. So I yep. did get that right. So, yep. I mean, I think the biggest one um, is obviously Andrew Kopp. Uh, it's exciting. I think he's a skilled guy. He can put the puck in the net. That's going to be important for this team. We need secondary yeah. scoring when the Bertuzzi – Larkin line is yeah. not doing their thing, um, and that's what I really like the way that Eisman's built this roster um, to just adding more scoring, more depth, and and that's extremely important. You know, he's going to help sell tickets. He's a hometown man. Yeah, I mean, people are just going to straight up go to the game. There's more Michigan men on the team. Yada yada yada. Yep. Some other contracts that Eisman dealt with here. Uh, he he resigned Zadina for three years uh, with a 1.825 uh, annual um, salary. Fair deal. I get the fact that people didn't want him to come back. I get all of that. Um, but at the same time, you don't want a first-round pick to just walk. Um, so I like that you got him. It's not for a long time. It's not for a lot of money. It's exactly what we need. And if exactly, and if he can s- discover himself, it's, it's still a young guy. You know, it's not. He's not. 
he's I think low young twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes. um, definitely a, a, a nice move there. Uh, Jake Wallman, a defenseman, he resigned for one point zero five million. The two biggest questions left are Larkin heading into the season or the last year of his deal with six point one million. Um, contract and then Bertuzzi 4.75 they're both on their last year of their deal a lot of lot of talk I think Larkin is obviously the biggest one because he's their captain um, and everybody thinks he's kind of the chosen one to fix these things I personally in the other way not getting into that today <laughs> it's interesting the fact that the the deal hasn't been done yet now we're recording here on Thursday 10-6 I guarantee you probably by noon tomorrow well this is it'll have happened is my guess right that's kind of the way things work but it's our luck um I have a feeling they're going to get a deal done, um, but you start seeing some of the other deals that are happening, like we've talked about. In, the name escapes me right now. Barzell is that his name for for the Islanders? Um, that just got a deal. Like I think he's he's right around like nine and a half million. Like there's there's. Well, didn't McKinnon just get a deal? McKinnon got recently like twelve or thirteen, yeah, like something nuts like that. Like real first line money. Yeah, and that's exactly. I mean, Larkin's going to get nowhere near that. But if if he starts seeing nine. That's where I'm going to get a little nervous because it's not just nine million dollars; it's nine million for eight years. Uh, oh and yeah. Keeping my feelings aside, look if if Eiserman believes Larkin is the guy to to build this franchise, then great. And well, let's see it. <laughs> let's see it on paper. Let's see it on paper. See. I want to see what Eiserman thinks Larkin is worth. Right. Um. Look, I'm going to cheer for Larkin as long as he's here. I am. I'm not trying to be right guy. I would love to be wrong about Larkin. I would love to. Um, but I don't think he's the guy that you build your team around. That's where I look at it. Time will tell. Um, Bertuzzi, that's another one that I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to let him kind of walk or hopefully trade him at the, the trade deadline. So, sure. Um, wanted to get in some odds here. Uh, plus 6,000 to win the Stanley Cup, tied for 22nd. Uh, 12 of... 12th of 16 to win the East um, at plus 3,000 and plus 3,000 to win the Atlantic Division as well with the over-under points set at 84.5, which would be 11 more points than last season, plus 290 to make the playoffs. Uh, look, I, hmm. I I don't want to – I'm not going to bet on this, any of the futures. It's <laughs> not anything for me to do. Um, I want to see it to believe it with this, this team. I think they could contend. I just – I'm not going to put my money on that. Yeah. Um, Mo Sider, ninth best odds to win the Norris. That's pretty cool. At plus two thousand. It's Let's not go. just rookie of the year stuff that he got last year. It's he's yeah. getting national attention, and that's pretty cool. Um, Derek Lalonde, uh, plus twenty five hundred to win Coach of the Year. Real quick, last season's odds. They were plus ten thousand to win the Cup, which is the second worst in the league behind Buffalo. Plus eight thousand five hundred to win the division, and over under was set at seventy seven and a half. Um, so Vegas thinks I the they're taking a step up. They're more of a contender. They can do it. They just are also at that point. They're like, well, you still have teams ahead of them that you just are making it impossible, but you don't want to put those odds at some ridiculous spot and then be having to pay out later on. Do you recall any other notable names ahead of Derek Lalonde? It was was actually low in the pack. I I would say it was probably, I would guess, 17th. Around or 15, 17. Okay, he's down Best there. Best odds. Yeah, he okay. was down there uh, quite a bit. Um, some rookie watch here, a little different than last year. Last year's rookie watch was all about Simon or Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond, where we were convinced they were going to make, we knew that they were going to make the team. We're looking at a couple other guys here that 
probably aren't going to make the team. I want to start with Simon Edmondson. He's a 6'6 demon um, that had a great year in the SHL last year. He's described as a defenseman with size, skill, and speed. He can play the offensive zone and the defensive zone. Really a complete player. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this because I really am not sure we're going to have to, but I've watched a little bit of preseason, and he looks out of place, and I don't want to say that he is. Eisman will know better than we are, or we will where he is he looked nervous with the puck he was skittish I mean he's he's a good skater obviously you could see that which is number one so they basically have a decision here the 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 defensive room is not that deep you don't have a ton so you have Ben Sherratt Philip Ronick Olimata uh Jordan Osterley Jake Wallman Mo Sider Lidstrom and Fizik Pisek or whatever but who's he's also could play some forward now the you have the the low end guys there that you could be okay with cutting. You're not committed to any of these right, guys long term right. either. So if he can make this team, the roster is lined up for him to do it. You know what I mean? Um, there's not somebody in his way. It's yep. he's the only one in his way. I I think he's either going to make this team because he deserves to, or he could get sent back to the SHL or hopefully Grand Rapids and start developing the North American game that we hope he can do. Um, so a lot to say. I, I think he's going to make it. I think they're going to give him that chance. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, nope, start in GR and we'll call you up when it's time to. I could see that happening as well. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Bergeron uh, was 33rd overall pick in 2018. Uh, he's more of a playmaking winger, um, but he played uh, for the Griffins last year. And put yeah, up some, some decent numbers here. I have it written down. He had 21 goals, 43 assists, and 70 games. That's a really good output for your first year in the North Ameri- in North American hockey when you're coming over from overseas. Um, love that. But you start looking at the numbers, it just is not making sense. Another one to keep an eye on, Elmer Soderblom. That's, this is the one that everybody's super, super excited about. Um, really just more intrigued, I guess, than excited. Our guy, Elmer. The, yeah, Elmer. Um, he was drafted 159th overall in the sixth round on 2019, but a 6'6 winger with improving skill. He's a very, very intriguing. Um, I personally do not do not expect him to make the jump to the NHL, um, at least to the start. Um, but I am curious to see what they do with him. Are they going to send him back um, to the SHL or wherever he was playing? I think it was the SHL. Or are they going to let him stay in Grand Rapids and develop? Look, the numbers are just the numbers just don't make sense for for him for either of these forwards to make the team. But when they get caught the call up, like they could be ready to produce. Yeah. I don't think it's that th- this time last year they're probably on the team. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh yeah, that, and that's where it's that's where we've just we've upgraded. And I, I brought right. that up when when they were doing these free agent signings. I started looking at the numbers. I'm like, there's another forward. Well, there's kept, another forward. Kept we still them have up. these guys. So it's like, all right. Well, what about Bergen? What about Soderblom? Like, and maybe right. we just got to get more patient. Go back to the old ways when Timu Pukkanen was in the AHL for six years and came up and sucked. You know what I mean? Like, it might yeah, turn possibly. into that that we have these prospects down. You know. Mantha was in the Grand Rapids for I want to say two full seasons. Um, Abdicator was like all these guys played yeah. in GR for for years before they got the call up. So if we're going back to that way of life, that's only a good thing. That means you you have a deep roster and you're growing that way. So that that's really good. Um, Fabry is starting out on the IR, but with guys like Ernie Smith, Valeno, and Sunkist um, also fighting for a roster spot. Oh, Kyle's jumping in. He's like, live? no, we're just doing a recording. Oh, oh that's a- <laughs> Sorry. 
I just expect him to set start down in, in GR. I really do, um, just because of the numbers alone. Yeah, we're almost done. It's been 24, technically. Um, so my season goals, and and you can jump in with yours if you want, and then we're going to get into some breakout player, rebound player, uh, under the radar, and dark horse MVP. Um, for my personal season goals, I, I think it's a year – um, or I think it would be a year early to make the playoffs. I really do, especially when you look at the division. you got the Panthers, Maple Leafs, Lightning. Um, they don't look like they're teams that are going to be ready to miss the playoffs. They're going to be top of the division. Yeah. And you also got a team like Boston who, you know, they brought back Bergeron. They're, it seems like they're going to go for it at least one more year. So when you have that, Red Wings aren't nearly ready for, for it. And then you start looking at Senators and Sabres and Red Wings in that group and we'll throw Canadians in there. It's like, are the Red Wings the top of that group? I, I, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I mean, Buffalo might be a year know. ahead on that that rebuild, especially with what they, they did with the Eichel deal. Um, Ottawa made some moves at, in the offseason. So those are two teams that are right there with the Red Wings that are going to be competing for the fifth spot in the division. Does that turn into a wild card? Probably not. But what I want to see are meaningful hockey games early to mid-March. You know what I mean? Yep. Because the NHL set up that you're not going to be out of it unless you're a complete bottom feeder. You know what I mean? So as long as they're close in striking distance, I don't expect them to to make it. If they do, great. But like I expect them to have meaningful games mid-March. And that's that's really all I can ask. The rest would be icing <laughs> on the cake. And uh, honestly, I also don't want to over over like state that that I expect a ton because it is a new coach. It is a new philosophy, a lot of new players. So maybe I'm being a little blinded and it's not going to be even be, you know, mid March and it should be end of February where these meaningful games start to dwindle down and we know it's sure we're out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so I don't know. Do you have any goals I, that stand out to you for, I, for this Red Wings team? I think the the one that stands out to me is I don't want to have multiple losses by double digits. That's a I love like that. Yeah. It, it, I think it it goes back to just meaningful hockey. Meaningful hockey in a, in a different sense. I like there is no reason for this team to lose games by 10 goals, 11 goals yeah. or uh you know have that many goals that many scored goals on against, them. Yeah. Um you know I I have don't want to play with pride. You know, I don't want to see I don't want to see, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 goals on the board consistently from opposing teams I, I get it's going to happen that's kind of the nature of today's game where there's a lot more goals scored than there was back in the day yeah i get it but i, I don't want to be on that receiving end that often nope i agree i love that and just play with some pride uh, that would be that would be really nice my breakout player it's kind of a, a little iffy on this one because i'm not sure it's fair because he might have already broken out but i'm gonna say jacob vrana um since coming to detroit he's played in only 49 games with injury and then the trade and all that kind of stuff um, but in those games, he scored 26 goals and 11 assists with a fully healthy season along with uh, the additional talent that Eisenman's brought in. This guy could put up 35, 40 goals. And I think he could really explode on the season. He's still fairly young. Um, and I, I think he has the talent to put up big, big numbers. Now playing on a line with Cop and whoever else, I think Perron maybe could be on that second line or once Fabry gets back. It's going to be interesting to see how Eisenberg, sorry, Lalonde builds the this the lines and stuff, but he's going to get mm-hmm. a lot of playing time. He's going to be with some talented guys. He's not going to be going up against number one defensemen. I think that's beneficial, and I think he could be the trigger guy on some power play. I think he could really explode on the season or on the scene, and as long as he stays healthy, that's obviously the key. Yeah. Um, 
I think my breakout player, not a lot of people are going to agree with that. I'm going to rock the boat with this one, but I'm going to go with Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I mean, people would think that he already broke out, but right, 31 goals isn't that but many. In, 31 in is not that many, and when people look at your your first line center, I just, I mean, what, what do you what do you want me to say? Like, he, you can love him all you want. I don't care. He's not like an elite number one center. This he's he's Detroit's number one center, and everyone's chosen to embrace him, which is fine. Yep. But show me, you know, take away some of those very awkward moments where your leadership wasn't at its peak, you know, some of the things you brought up last year. Yeah. And then show me you can compete with more mid to high level number one centers. Yep. Uh, my rebound player is going to be Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, when Eisenman gave up the third round pick for him, um, he was a Calder Trophy candidate. Um, I think we all thought he was an absolute steal, and I think last year told us that he wasn't the steal that we thought. But he's a good goalie. He's proven that he can win in this league with the right team around him. I think having Huso there um, will help a lot, it, it, and it's not necessarily um, one of their jobs at this point. They're going to be battling for it, and they're both they both are going to be demanded to play good goaltending. So I think he could have a nice bounce back year um, based on what he did last year mainly, just not showing well, you know. Um, I hope so. I think that would be really nice. Do you have a rebound player? Uh, yeah. It, it's not going to make sense for the rebound aspect, but I'm going to go, like, rebound slash breakout. Like, give me Phillips Zadina, man. Could be a good like, one. Like, yeah. you know, he, he just had he's had a, I don't know, just kind of like a, a bummer start to his NHL career. And, you know, I think Steve Eiserman gave him some uh, good faith money and he's got to make the most of it. And I don't think you give money to a player like that and won't make the most of it. So give me, give me Philip Zadina and just kind of rebound. The one thing that I would be concerned about Zadina being a, a a rebound player is I'm not sure where he's going to fall on ice time. If, yep. if he works his way up, if there's an injury ahead of him and he takes advantage of it, that would be great. Sure. Also, if this third line is producing, that would be even greater, you know, and, and yeah. putting up big numbers. I, I do like that one. Um, Dark Horse MVP, I'm going to go with uh, David Perron. I think adding a veteran uh, leader to this room was extremely important. Um, I believe the leaders in this room still have a lot of learning to do, um, Larkin included, like, I, like I've said several times, and Perron fits that role. Uh, he's still only 20, or 34 years old, who put up 27 goals and 30 assists in 67 games last year with St. Louis. Um, so he, he's not a, a guy like just barely holding on to his very end of his career. He still can produce. He can still play some really good hockey. Um, he's, ext- he's extremely useful in this league. Um, and I just think this is exactly what the Red Wings needed. I think he's going to come in and kind of have that chip on his shoulder, like, what in the world, St. Louis, you gave yeah. up on me? Like, yep. he was not happy about it, yeah. if you remember. Um, he had some wor- some harsh words for St. Louis kind of <laughs> on the way out, but he's very excited to be here, and I think he could have a very, very big season. He should have harsh words. I don't like that city. And by big season, I mean <laughs> 30 goals, which would be huge for a uh, secondary guy getting 30 goals <laughs> oh, in for yeah. the Red Wings these days. So. Huge. Um, do you have like, who's yeah, insert Jacob Verona right here. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. I just, he, he's got a lot to prove after just his up and down and injuries last season. Like I, I think he was kind of feeling it. Like when he first stepped on the ice in a wings Jersey, 
Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Um, then the under ra- under the radar player, I was going to go with Dominique Kubelik. Um, he's going to be kind of a third line guy, but he knows how to put the puck in the net. So in his first year uh, with Chicago as a 24 year old, he he scored 30 goals in 68 games, along with 16 assists. Um, he's kind of fallen off since then. So he got 17 goals in 56 games, 15 goals in 78 games. He's t- t- going to be 27 years old here soon. Um, he's working his way. Like he knows how to put the puck in the net. He's a very skilled guy. Put him on a on a line and let this guy produce. It will be very interesting if he can. Um, I'm very. It's more or less like who I'm really interested in and what, what kind of player he's going to be. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about him. But when you put up 30 goals in this league, you're not a slouch. But here he is going to be a third line guy in Detroit. Yep. And how is he going to respond to that? Is is very interesting. I think he could. Put up some big numbers as well, and very important numbers here for, I, for the Red Wings. I feel that exact same way, but maybe not to the sense of that you know the amount of you know production we're going to get. But I, I think the same thing of Pius Suter. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I I Another like Chicago the way he plays. Out. He's just he's kind of a a grinded out type of forward. He knows he's he's intelligent on the ice, and I think that shows in his style of play. So that's what I'm going with. I love it. So that was our Red Wings 2020-2023 uh, season preview. Again, if you're this is our first time, uh, thank you. Subscribe, like, do all of those things that you got to do. State of MI Sports, State of My Sports, um, State of Michigan stuff that we love here. So uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week.